Welcome and thank you for joining us on our latest installment of Women at Ropes Talk, a podcast series brought to you by the Women's Forum at Ropes and Gray. In this podcast, we spotlight extraordinary women who have had successful careers and interesting lives and are also making a positive impact in their workplaces and in their communities. We feature women attorneys at Ropes and Gray in conversation with prominent women clients, industry leaders, and entrepreneurs and others about their careers, what's led to their successes, the challenges they've faced, and the hard-earned wisdom they've acquired. I'm Megan Baca, a partner at Ropes and Gray with a practice focusing on intellectual property and technology transactions, and I'm also co-head of our firm's Digital Health Initiative. I'm based in Silicon Valley. On this episode, I'm joined by my colleague, Erica Hahn, who's based in Boston. Hi, Erica. Thanks for joining us. So um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and provide an overview of your practice? Sure. Thanks, Megan. I am Erica Hahn. I am a partner in the IP Transactions Group in the Boston office at Ropes and Gray. And my practice focuses on transactions and counseling, especially for consumer branded companies, with a particular focus on trademarks and rates of publicity. So I do transactions ranging from IP license agreements, whole business securitizations, supply chain transactions, sponsorship and endorsement deals, and then uh, clearance, enforcement, and strategy for brands and branded companies. Awesome. And who are you going to be interviewing today on the podcast? Today, I'm interviewing our client, Mallory Capasso, who's the general counsel of Luxury Brand Partners, which is a really interesting company that incubates cosmetics and beauty brands. And she's, uh, she's really interesting and, and a great person to talk to. So how did you two meet? So Mallory joined Venture Brand Partners after I was already their outside counsel. And when she started, we just instantly clicked. And I was really encouraged by her insight and her drive to improve processes at the company. And together, we've worked on implementing a lot of changes and, and you know, policies at Luxury Brand Partners so that they can be thinking proactively rather than reactively on their IP strategy. So it's really been a pleasure to get to know her and see her career evolve. So given your practice and all the interesting things they have going on, uh, it sounds like some really interesting work. Uh, What are the most noteworthy matters that you have worked on together? Sure. So we've worked on a a number of really interesting projects, including some some cutting-edge stuff um, now focused on the metaverse and virtual beauty products. Um, Some of the more memorable projects for me include the sale of the Orbe Beauty Company to Cow Corporation, which is one of the the leading consumer brand um, companies in the world. And so that was that was really fun to see have seen Orbe through its incubation into a you know, sort of grown up company ready to be sold. Um, and just a, a personal fun project for me that we recently worked on was a collaboration with the band Third Eye Blind. They created some nail polish colors based on the band's songs and it was a it was a favorite of mine as a as a youth. So that was a fun one to do as well. Nail polish colors. That's uh that's fantastic. That's not the first thing I would think of when I think of Third Eye Blind, but that's absolutely <laughs> thinking outside the so, box. So Mallory uh sounds like has a pretty interesting job. Um in terms of her career, what's most interesting to you? 
Yeah, I think for the, what really impresses me about Mallory is her courage and her curiosity uh, to bring about change. You know, she, even if she is, you know, the only woman at the table or one of the most, you know, sort of youngest people at the table or new to the table, she realizes the, the power of her voice and her ability to ask questions and see things from a new perspective. And that ranges from how she got her job in the first place kind of taking a chance and uh, you know taking a stand and convincing people that it was time to make a change to um, her approach to litigation and and deals that we've done and I think she really just holds her own and helps people understand that there's kind of more than one right way to do things and she, she asks the right questions and brings about great success for her clients. That sounds so great. I can't wait to hear more. So with that, I will just turn it over to you and Mallory. Mallory, thank you so much for joining us today for this installment of the podcast. I have been really looking forward to this. We've known each other for um, many years at this point, and I think your story and your perspective on your career is so interesting. So excited to have you uh, to myself to get to ask you these questions today and hopefully um, share with others who could who could learn from your experience. Maybe we could just start off by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us, uh, you know, about your title and what you do at Luxury Brand Partners and a little more about what Luxury Brand Partners is. Sure. Uh, my name is Mallory Capasso. I live in South Florida now. Uh, Luxury Brand Partners is co- uh, headquartered in Miami but am truly a Midwesterner and always will be at heart. I have no idea how I ended up in South Florida except for the job, really. Um, Luxury Brand Partners is such a unique company. We uh, develop and nurture prestige and artist-driven beauty brands. We currently have seven luxury beauty companies in our portfolio and have launched and developed and sold multiple brands uh, such as Orbe and, and Becca Cosmetics. And currently I am uh, their only in-house counsel. I'm the vice president of legal and regulatory. And I think it would be safe to say that I do about everything, um, being the only attorney for the parent company and the seven brands. I'm responsible for a trademark policy, which I have my guru, you, for, saying my guardian <laughs> angel for trademarks. You know, employment issues, corporate work, the board work, general regulations, privacy laws, and I've also um, been put in charge, as I said, of, of our regulatory department, which is a beast in itself. Um, so as a smaller company, you know, I'm not advising on the huge esoteric issues so much that have been vetted by a number of people, as you would at a huge company, because we operate a lot like a startup because of our business model to develop, nurture, and sell companies. So some days I'm just trying to explain the basics to some of our teams of why you have to sign a contract or why you don't do deals over email. Uh, there's just a lot of, lot to do in terms of groundwork and educating each of the brands and the new people coming on for the brands. And especially with technology, it's just gotten so much more complicated in terms of our job and what we need to learn every day as, as being in-house. First of all, it's astonishing that you do as much as you do. Being the the sole uh, person in the legal department is incredible. But also, you know, you have 
I think what would be considered multiple types of jobs, even regardless of legal specialty, because you have the day-to-day operations of multiple brands that are kind of operating their own businesses with their own aesthetic and goals and, you know, trajectory and sort of the day-to-day, how are we going to grow this company and sell products? And then you also have kind of the broader big picture considerations of what's the exit strategy, right? Are are we thinking about setting this company up in terms of a financing or a sale to a, you know, another strategic buyer or, or whatever that is, right? As an incubator, you're kind of thinking multiple steps ahead in addition to kind of what do you have to do tomorrow? Um, is that difficult to have to wear those different hats and, and be thinking about both at kind of all times in your job? You know, I like to think, and I, I feel like uh, a big part of my personality is thriving in chaos. And I would definitely <laughs> say that it is a chaotic environment. And But I, you know, I really enjoy that. Uh, I think a large part of being in-house anywhere is that you wear so many, uh, so many hats, you know, and you have to develop so many skill sets and that you have different issues pop up each each day that have, you know, nothing to do with what you worked on yesterday. But I think mm-hmm. uh, luxury brand partners or LBP is, is unique in that I am working on different brands, different products, different personalities um, within those brands every single day. And with all with the mindset of keeping overhead low. So we try to keep our use of outside counsel uh, super reasonable. Every issue that comes up, we aren't, we're not just, you know, getting someone who specializes in mm-hmm. that area, which is, you know, a lot of research and a lot of spending, spending a lot of time trying to figure out those issues in-house um, to preserve those costs. One thing that I've noticed having known you for so long and worked with you is that you have the, you kind of figured out how to develop a relationship and have the trust of C-suite you know, executives within luxury brand partners, as well as the creative team, which, you know, often have different goals or different points of view at coming to an issue. And and from my point of view, seeing you interact with kind of all sides of the company, you you have a seat at the table, right? You're not one of those um, legal counsel or in-house counsel who's seen as an obstacle to just say no to, you know, the desired goal that you kind of have to have to move past. People really value your opinion and and see you as part of the solution. How have you managed to do that with working with such, you know, diverse groups of people with different talents and and specialties? I know you and I have had a lot of laughs over, uh, you know, stories about the the creative side of things and how it, you know, how it just totally clashes with legal and how to incorporate it. But I think a lot of the a lot of people are just scared of attorneys. They don't want to go to their attorneys because they, you know, are intimidated by their legal department. You know, people are intimidated but by what they don't understand. And mm-hmm. the more you educate them and the more you work with them, the more they want to work with you. There's a, so much about the business that I had to learn and that I didn't understand and I truly appreciated when, you know, our marketing people or sales people would explain, you know, the certain things about Sephora that helped me to better understand what they needed from me and their contracts and how to negotiate those contracts for them. So I feel like if you take the time to do that on the other side, 
they want to work with you. People want to learn, you know, they, they want to evolve in their role. And I think that's something that creates really good teamwork and team building between other people. I mean, communication is key. And as attorneys, Mm -hmm. we need to be able to be the better communicator. To be able to communicate with with those teams and kind of work as the facilitator, making the other departments work together, it, it just it's a more successful negotiation for our contract when you know our supply department is working with our marketing department who's working with legal and finance. And I think that I've worked really hard to facilitate that. I think that's a a great point, which leads me to a question that you know, we have for many of our clients in this current environment. Um, you mentioned that you've been working remotely um, post-pandemic or since the pandemic started. Has that um, lack of being in person in an office changed the communication style or caused new challenges for you? Yeah, I mean, oof, it's it's been a rough couple of years, right? It was really exciting at first to be able to work remotely, especially as an attorney. We never really worked remotely um, mm-hmm. prior to this. So the first year was so exciting. I was like, wow, so much freedom. Um, you know, I get to work from home. I don't have to commute. So that was great. LVP was so much built on its culture and its teamwork in our Miami office. And it you know, that element, I feel like really does miss uh, not being in person and you feed off the energy of those teams. And I think that really helped the teams to want to work together and communicate. Um, and being at home, I mean, I think we're all sick of Zoom meetings, right? It's Zoom mm-hmm. meeting after Zoom meeting. And it doesn't have the same energy to it. I definitely think, especially between departments, it's very hard to have, you know, multiple people from multiple departments on a call and keep everyone's attention when they're at home. Whereas in a meeting, you know, like in a conference room in person, um, everyone has to be actively engaged. So, yeah, I think that's changed a lot of things for a lot of companies. Any any tips on how you are overcoming those challenges or, or kind of strategies that either you or LVP have tried to employ to kind of overcome that distance? We've done a lot of um, activities like beach cleanup, uh, you know, where we'll plan things outside of company hours, you know, with the great resignation and, and everything. We have so many new people in, mm-hmm. in our company that have never actually met everyone in, in person, you know, and I think that there is some distance there that they don't feel like they're totally a part of the company incorporated into it. So We've been trying to do some events to bring people, um, you know, into the mix and let them meet people in person. There's definitely an element that's missing if you don't get to do that. Uh, We have mentor programs that we've started in the last year uh, and and different things for new people to, to introduce them into the company. They get assigned a new mentor that, you know, walks through all the steps and onboarding that we usually would when we bring them into the office, you know, and do mm-hmm. them into a different department. You mentioned mentoring, and I'm curious um, in your own career, if you've had mentors that have made a difference to you or, or what your views are on mentorship, particularly in the legal profession. Having 
uh, mentors to me. I've just been so incredibly lucky to have so many strong, but I think importantly more confident and caring females in my life that really, I think have played such a huge role in my career trajectory. Um, you know, my mom being the first one who, who was the one I think who pushed me into the legal profession, told me to speak my mind and take risks. And then, um, in the last couple of years, you know, Nancy Bernardini was brought on as one of the first women in our C-suite as COO. And she was one of the, one of the ones who really pushed the mentor program into LBP as well. And I just feel like she's such a powerhouse of grit and grace. And I think her secret to success is that she really puts people first and is someone that I would love to emulate. She's, isn't afraid to give you constructive criticism, which I think is crucial to growth, as my mm-hmm. husband would probably tell you and complain about. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you can just tell when someone is actually invested in your career and your personal development, it makes a world of difference in your experience that you have with them and your experience in your career. And I just think it, it's so critical to see other successful women, especially. I mean, I've had a yeah. lot of great male mentors. But women have such a unique experience in our field and other uh, leadership positions, you know, to help them have you navigate your career. I know you and I have spoken about just even the way you come off in in a position of leadership or, uh, you know, if you're in the boardroom. As a woman, it's unique. You know, men are automatically, I think, seen as leaders when they're very aggressive and outspoken. Mm -hmm especially as legal counsel, when you're wanting to be a part of the business side and be incorporated into that, have, have, you know, a seat at the table with the the business side of things, you have to be really careful that you're not turning people off to it, right? You have to really yeah. work on your way of, of telling people that they can't do that, or, you know, that's not good for the company because people don't like to hear no, first of all, but I think it does come off differently. It just, it's just how society is. You know, you have to speak in a different way, in a different tone, and really think about how you're coming off um, as a female in that position because you want people to be very receptive to it. So, yeah, yeah. You and you and I have talked a lot about kind of that feeling of being the only or one of a few women seated at a table and yeah. in that dynamic, right? And the unconscious bias that that people have uh, in that scenario that takes extra effort and energy to overcome as a woman. So I, I agree and have felt that in my own career as well, that having women who are mentors and and seeing women who are successfully navigating that is really helpful. Have you noticed a difference in the dynamic since Nancy has joined the executive team? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible. I mean, she just has a different um, way of approaching issues. We have been lucky in our COOs. I will say that Johnny Sharp, you know, who who she replaced um, that, you know, very well as well. And have worked with was was incredible. And I, we had a great relationship too. Yeah. You know, what, what a great man. He was, so invested in, in people as well. You know, Nancy has the ability and has come from, you know, a much bigger companies, but she just has the ability to juggle so many balls uh, at once and handle things with, with grace, but also is not afraid to, 
to really lay down the hammer. She's someone that you really look to for her perspective because she's been around and she's so knowledgeable and she's not afraid to make a decision, which is, is really refreshing, you know? Yeah. And so do you, do you feel that she is focused on relationships in that way we were talking about before as kind of valuing communication and relationships? I feel like she understands that people have to want to work with you to, yeah. to get things done. And I think that is one of the biggest things, even with contract negotiation, she just has such a way of coming around and making people see things in a, in a way that I don't think that they otherwise would. Right. So I think we get a lot more deals done and, and things done with her, um, in the C-suite. I really do. That's, that's great. And I, I love seeing the dynamic of the two of you working together. We knew each other when you came in as, you know, sort of one of the, the few female voices at Luxury Brand Partners. And it's, it's been nice to see you build on that diversity, um, and, and, expand right in terms of your culture there i'd love to talk about you a little bit more uh for a minute and maybe you could tell us one of your biggest career wins um in your mind and and how it came about i mean i think my my biggest career win would really be my jump from life in a firm to the corporate world i think that's probably the the most important move uh at the time, it seemed risky, and I wasn't super familiar with the company, but um, I just thought it was too good to pass up. On the flip side, what would you say has been one of the biggest obstacles in your professional life? Probably having to learn the business side from the ground up. Coming into a company, especially with you know not just one company, but having to learn teams from seven different companies. Mm -hmm. Um, that are ever changing and then having to learn that supply chain and then the finance aspects of it. And, you know, like I said, negotiating all different types of agreements, right? So, you know, you can have different backgrounds and practice different areas of law, but you're never going to be able to, to know what you need to know to go in-house into a company and Mm -hmm. have to know every aspect of their operations, which has been, uniquely challenging but again like if you like to be in a chaotic environment and to have to research and and learn things on a day-to-day basis it's it's the perfect opportunity to do that because you just yeah never know what you're going to need to know well it's so great to hear you say that we just had a um a guest speaker come to our firm to talk to us about the concept of curiosity and how mm-hmm. in times of change and chaos, a path to success is to maintain curiosity. Um, and it, it, just everything you described sounds like you, you have that philosophy, whether you've you know, intentionally thought about it that way or not. Um, but I see that as we work together too, you're just natural in interest, right? Something happens and you say, well, why did this happen? Why do they want that? You know, and you, and you start asking questions rather than immediately looking to what's the answer. You look to, you know, what are the questions I need to ask? Um, and it sounds like that's been a, a great key to your success and in, in being able to have such a diverse skill set and then <laughs> what happens in your career every day. So I think that's, yeah, exactly. that, that's really cool. I think I think you hit the nail on the head too. You know, this is my fifth year now at LBP, which is in, insane. I feel like it's just flown by. But um, mm-hmm. 
I don't think I realize that. As an attorney, I feel like we're expected to have the answers, right? People come yeah. to pay us for the answers. And as my first year or two, I, I don't think that I realized that I needed to ask so many questions. I, I thought they expected me to have the answer. I think the best thing that I've ever learned is to sit and ask questions and figure out mm-hmm. every detail you can before even trying to give them an answer, right? And and that's something that the company has learned uh, along with me. You know, we've put a contract policy in place where they have to send me a summary of the deal and the main deal points that they want to get out of it, right? Because yep. I don't think they realize for, for this agreement to be successful or for them to get what they want out of it, I actually have to know what the end goal is to, to figure out what's important, what's not important, what negotiation tactics are important or, or what we really can get rid of and what we need to keep. So, you know, in the last couple of years, that's something that has come out of my experience with LBP is how important that discovery phase is rather than mm-hmm. just having the answer. So many of us are so task oriented that we want to go immediately to, you know, drafting the contract or whatever the next step is. But that that piece, those questions are so critical. That's that's a great reminder. Um, so I know we're, we're coming on to time. So I'll I'll close by asking you to tell us what is keeping you either excited or up at night with worry. Yeah, um, what's keeping me up is the metaverse. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> It really is. Uh, Taz Finger, who's our CEO, he's like a modern day Nostradamus. He's always in the know somehow. He was mm-hmm. quoted in a 2014 article in Modern Salon magazine talking about how Oculus Rift was going to be the next big thing. At the time, it was only in the it was for the gaming industry, right? Wow. And he's in this article talking about how he thinks once they really get a grip on how to make it better and more cutting edge, that it's going to be used for salons and, you know, education where they feel like they're right there in the oh, academy. Oh, that's interesting. They won't have to travel and it'll cut costs of traveling and time in traffic. And, you know, it'll be this, this new virtual reality of higher education for salons and I mean, this is 2014. It's it's unbelievable that he had that foresight. But he said as soon as it hits that LBP will be, you know, become a leader in technology and fuse it with, you know, the beauty industry with the tech industry. So we are spending a lot of time right now making sure we're ahead of the pack. And along with that comes crazy projects that I never (laughs) thought I'd be working on. Well, your your curiosity is going to lend itself well to to these projects, right? Because there's a lot of unknown and uncertainty, and it seems that you're well prepared to to shepherd the the company into that world. So that's exciting. Yeah, it's definitely exciting, scary, you know, where we're going, but a lot a lot to learn for sure. My curiosity will be will be taken care of. <laughs> Perfect. Well, this is great. Well, hopefully we can have you back when you're, you know, fully, fully uh, operating in the metaverse and you can tell us all about it while the rest yeah. of us are still, are still going to real offices. Yeah, we can do this uh, in the metaverse next time. Right? <laughs> Perfect. That, that sounds great. Well, I look forward to meeting your avatar. And in the meantime, thank you so much for talking to us today. It's really been thank a pleasure as always. Thank you for having me. 
Yes, it's been so fun. Thanks for having me. Erica and Mallory, thank you so much. As always, thanks to our listeners. For more information about Ropes and Gray's Women's Forum and our women attorneys, please visit ropesgray.com slash women. You can also subscribe to this series wherever you typically listen to podcasts, including on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening.